0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Bethany Tron. She is a problem solver. She left a stable career in marketing to start The Root Collective, because of the lack of jobs and underserved communities wasn't being addressed. And this woman is on fire, I have Mm -hmm. to say. She has the best hair we've ever seen. She has the best Mm -hmm. booties
1: we've ever seen. She is so fun. This episode was just like lighthearted and easy. We're all talking about what are one-for-one business models really like? What is doing charity work in business like? And how... Can we as women, aka the like biggest money deciding spenders in the entire universe, decide to spend our money even better to impact companies that matter and communities that matter? This episode has lots of ideas for how you can slowly, and so you don't overwhelm yourself, implement these steps in your own life. And we talk about shoes a lot because they're super cute. So Tune in to this one and get ready to buy some booties at the end of this episode because they're that cute. Hi, Bethany. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I should have an introduction for your hair also. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I wish your hair had its own microphone. Right? Wouldn't that
0: be
2: fun <laughs>
0: if hair could talk? <laughs> Yeah. When she came on camera, I was literally in awe. Like, it was just yeah. so beautiful. Swooned over <laughs> curly hair status right now. But that's not oh. what we're here to talk about today. What are we here to talk about today, Emily?
1: We are talking about branding and community and all of the amazing things that go into all of that, sustainability <laughs> and. Curly hair methods and <laughs> how to take care of your hair. So
0: all
2: important. Dive in.
1: <laughs> all important
2: things. Well, yes.
0: That, and I feel like she said something very crucial before we got into this, and that women yes. rule the world, yes. and we need to like step more into that. So I would love Which to have you. Which is what we're just... about. True. Right. It's true. Mm-hmm. So if you would just kick it off and let us, I mean, give us some of your perhaps less popular opinions on. How we're really in charge. Right
2: What's <laughs> popular opinions about how women are in charge. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't, okay. Maybe they are less popular. So with the Root Collective, like, so we're a shoe company, right? Which sounds really kind of standard. But the thing that we really push is women control 85% of household budgets here in the U.S., which you're talking about trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. I mean, just over Black Friday weekend, there are like, it's the budget of small countries are being spent on Christmas shopping. And most of that is done by women. So women really, I consider women to be the most powerful people in the world, like more so than any politician, more so than, you know, any elected official because we control wallets.
1: Yep. Well, and I think what's a super shining example of that really quickly, the new like Gillette commercial
2: that Mm -hmm. came out,
1: right? That was all about toxic masculinity and like shave it away, use our brand, let's do better. A bunch of dudes hated it. Gillette doesn't give a shit about their opinions because guess who loved it? Women. Moms of boys, feminists, all of those woke people. And so, guess who's heading to Target and buying those razors next weekend?
2: It's very true. And it's women are typically the ones who are buying that stuff anyway. So, that ad was not targeted towards men, it was 100% targeted towards women. And so, it's just really interesting and fascinating. And I think so empowering once women really start understanding that we are controlling global economies. Every single time we pull out our wallet, we're literally controlling. Global economies. We're deciding what businesses stay in businesses and what businesses go out of business. We get to decide that every single time we pull out our wallet. And for some people, that feels really overwhelming. Like, and I hear it all the time. Again, like running a shoe company, people aren't expecting us to be talking about this kind of stuff. But it's like, no, you have to understand. Like, human trafficking is a thing in our world. Like, there's actually more slaves today than at any other point in human history. And every time you're pulling out your wallet, you're making a decision about what kind of world you want to live in. Like, because money talks, it just does. And some people feel like that is a really overwhelming thing to think about. But for me, I'm like, no, that's actually the most empowering thing that you can possibly do. It's just those decisions that you're making with your money. So yes, well, I was
0: literally having this conversation with a new teammate on our team yesterday about how I feel like so often people are out there mm-hmm. just buying what's kind of mainstream because it's mainstream. And I mean, everyone has it. It's in Target, whatever. I'm not saying there's not amazing brands in Target. That's not... what don't you worry, people. That's not what I'm saying. Don't um, twist her words. <laughs> but what I am saying is there's so many amazing alternatives out there, and I'm not sure they're necessarily getting the light of day. And they really deserve to be more at the forefront because what they're doing with their dollars on the back end is so much more than mm-hmm. what some of these other companies are doing. And... I will say when I went to your shoe website, (laughs) I had the same audible gasp that I did about your hair. So this lady has some style, but I'm curious. Does every shoe have a curly hair wig like on the back of it? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, what is it that you feel like as a product-based business, you're doing differently to talk with that money that's coming at you?
2: So our entire business was structured based off of the people who are making our stuff. Like that literally, like our startup story was me going to Guatemala, spending time in a slum, realizing that nonprofits are focusing on education, which is great, but you educate a kid and there's no job for them when they graduate. Like nothing has changed. So when people talk about the cycle of poverty, this is what they mean. Like it's It's a thing. So our entire business was built off of wanting to solve a problem, which was the lack of jobs. And we kind of fell into shoes that honestly was not the plan. Shoes are actually the most complicated thing that you wear. I have no background in it. No idea what I was doing. Just make some shoes. It's fine. Great. It's fine. It's going to be okay. (laughs) So, what we're doing is really it started off with wanting to solve that problem, which means our entire business was built off of that rather than off of our product, if that makes sense. So, if you've got a, and I'm not picking on Nike, they were just the first brain that popped into my head. You've got Nike, who their entire business was built off of wanting to make a profit, which happened to be in shoes rather than what we're doing. And honestly, so many other small businesses are really falling in line with this now as well, where they're starting off with, there is a social problem that needs to be addressed and that can best be done through commerce. So let's figure out how to do that. Talk to me about the
1: process of, I think that there's a lot, I hope more and more continuing to sprout up, but this kind of one for one model of business. And so, with your business, for every shoe purchased, someone gets a job because they're making shoes, right? So, talk to me a little bit about how, like, literally the logistics of coming up with how, like the different varieties of one to ones that you can pick, and why you went specifically with this one, and kind of how that r- helps run your business.
2: I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> So glad. One of the top questions I get from people when they hear what I do and they hear what my business is, they go, Oh, so you're just like Tom's. Sure. No, you're just like Tom's. They're both shoes guys. Not the same. They're shoes, right? (laughs) This is the same thing. And I am not here to bash Tom's at all. But the thing is, is that they actually have the exact opposite business model from what we do. And the reason is, is because Tom's, again, they're trying to solve a problem. So, you know, their founder saw a problem. Again, in some communities, kids don't have shoes, right. they're running around their, you know, feet are getting all cut up, they're getting jiggers, they're getting this, like, there's a problem there. But what they ended up doing was having their shoes produced basically in factories in China, which a lot of people argue that those people need jobs too. Yes, you're 100% correct. But the interesting thing that I didn't even think about until I got into this business was, because they're coming into those communities giving away shoes, it's actually hurting the local economy. Because it's taking jobs away from people like our shoemakers. So if Toms were to come into the communities that we employ people, it's actually taking away work. And to me, work is the most empowering thing. Because people need to be able to take care of themselves rather than relying on charity and if charity giving away money was going to solve poverty it would have by now right it would have, right. we would not have poverty if money, like just giving somebody money or giving somebody a pair of shoes, the problem wouldn't exist anymore. So now we're probably, you know, like a hundred, 150 years into this charitable model and it's not working. Yeah, Nothing's really that different. It's not working. Yeah. So with us, you know, if you want to think of it as a one-to-one model, you gave the perfect example where somebody buys a shoe and they're giving somebody a job, But we, I, I don't use that kind of language in like a one for one or you're giving or anything like that anywhere in our marketing. Because for me, it's, that's not an empowering thing, right? It's not an empowering thing for, you know, to go into a community and tell a parent, you need help, you need us to do this for you, rather than going in and saying, hey, let us give you a job so that you can take care of your kids. And that is an unpopular opinion. Yeah. So if we want to start talking about unpopular opinions, well, that is right there. And that opens
1: <laughs> the floodgates of with the white savior complex as well. And mm-hmm. coming across mm-hmm. charitable work of that actually makes a dent and impact in a way that's graceful to the people who you're impacting instead of yep. saving people that don't need exactly. Yeah.
2: And it's a big shift, I think, because mm-hmm. our, our culture is so... I think that's just what we understand. We understand charity. So that's what people do. And I think that charitable giving has a place, but I think it needs to take a backseat to, it's not like, that's not solving the problem. Right. Right. It's not solving the problem.
1: Well, and what I appreciate about this conversation and kind of the The root of where you guys kind of trace back where you can make the most of your impact and doing it in the proper way. It reminds us, it reminds me of conversations that we have within. So Abby and I both volunteer for an organization here locally. We do a lot of local impact work within our own cities. And we had a meeting late last year about you know how we can do better and where are our holes and what do we really need to be focusing on to try and see if our shift of our impact needs to change. And there was a a fantastic conversation about for years, how one of our impacts is really touching on that surface level, right? We're teaching kids how to make healthy meals in one of our our organizations, which is great, but we're using fucking kale in a city that is a food desert. (laughs) And so where can they go remake this meal? They literally can't. And so the conversation in this meeting is how can we take that back even further and provide grocery stores and farmers markets and food like food that they can actually buy. And so it's very interesting about how like this work truly doesn't stop, but I appreciate that you're having the conversations at the get-go in order to really find like that that layer that you need to be making the most impact.
2: Yeah. And I always talk about that kind of stuff, like exactly what you're talking about there in terms of like you're putting a band-aid on something that needs major surgery. Like there is surgery here that, that is needed. And if you just keep slapping band-aids on it, like it's going to fix it short term because maybe you're not bleeding out all Mm -hmm. over the place. But Mm -hmm. until that is surgically fixed, you go to the root of the problem. Yeah. It's just going to keep happening. Yep. Well, the root of my problem
1: now is there's seven pairs of shoes I want from your website. That is an issue. <laughs> I know.
0: I, I'm just saying. It's a, I wasn't joking when I said He's I guess. These ones with Leopard, are you out of your mind? <laughs> All right. Sorry. Moving on. But I, speaking of wanting those things, I think my struggle with this whole being more conscious about where I'm putting my dollars, I still have some money blocks around it. Not because I don't desire those items, but often they're more expensive. And I'm so used to like a pair of boots. I'm so used to buying them for $40 on sale at a big box store that like, I'm like, Oh, I really want those boots, but they're four times as much. And like, yeah. I have the money, but I've never spent that amount of money on boots. And I'm not saying so. I'm sure some people have spent four times as much, but I'm just not that person. Not a, so, <laughs> so like, how have you personally, or how have you helped other people kind of, I mean, not only believe that they should speak with their dollars, but also like, Lean into the uncomfortableness of it being a a world that's more expensive if you do it that way.
2: It is, and there's a there's a few things because that's something that we come up against all the time where people are like, I can go to Target and I can get a cute pair of boots for thirty bucks. Why am I going to spend two hundred and eighteen dollars on a pair of boots? And there's a few things that in there that need to be discussed. Is that number one, you know how much something cost you when you buy it. How much did it cost the person who made it? what kind of sacrifice did they have to make? Because if you buy a pair of $30 boots and you trace back where all that money to, in order to get to that retail price, the person at the very end of that, who's actually doing the work was probably paid pennies. And they're working in most likely pretty bad conditions, seven days a week, you know, living in a dorm in an eight by 10 room with six other people. Like this is the reality of manufacturing in the world. Like it's just the reality. So at the Root Collective, we're just all about like, you got to think about the person who made it. You've got to right. think about that. You have to think about the fact that it might be cheap, but there was a, there's a very hefty price tag that's attached to that cheap number that you're spending. Sure. But one of the other big things is that we have such a throwaway society where people are used to buying cheap things. Because that $30 pair of boots is going to last you one, maybe two seasons. And you're going to be tossing Mm -hmm. it. And here's the thing with that pair of boots is that most likely it was made from polyurethane plastics, which means it's not going to break down when it goes into a landfill. Every piece of plastic that was ever created is still in existence today. Still in existence right now. Because it doesn't break down. It takes hundreds of years for plastics to break down. So when you've got the polyester in your clothing, you've got all of the polyurethane, all of that kind of stuff that's created, like the the materials are literally created out of plastics. So you're buying that $30 pair of boots, which is then going into a landfill after two seasons and sitting there and not breaking down. You've got to start thinking about quality over quantity. Like how many pairs of boots do you really need? Do you need six pairs of boots? No, you don't. But what if you had one pair of boots that you know how it was made. You know that people were treated fairly. You know that they were paid well. And you know that that pair of boots, if you take care of it, it's going to last you years. And the other thing is that like you can get them resold. So like you can literally take this pair of boots into a cobbler and have this entire sole replaced and continue wearing them. So it is a huge uphill battle when people start talking about price, but it's like, let's just take a step back and start thinking about that.
0: Mentality was yeah. like carried on though. Like I think so often, I think back to my grandmother and my mother, and even just like little things. There was this little like leather player repair place that was kind of around the corner from my grandma's house and my mom would take in her purse that she's used Mm -hmm. for the last 15 years and like the the things like falling apart but they'd redo the strap Mm -hmm. for her and it would be like brand new and she kept using that purse and then eventually she fell I mean into the trap that we all do at some point where she bought a cute one that was cheap and she's had to replace it seven times since then. Yeah. So what are other ways that we can begin to be
1: more in line or more in tune with the way that our, the power of that we have as women for our dollars to support economies, to support businesses? What are some other ways we can start paying attention to that and like apply it in different areas of our lives?
2: I think one of the biggest things is to really... It's so easy. Again, we're not knocking Target here. We all love Target. But it's so easy to walk into a Target and just start pulling stuff off the shelf. Right. That you don't need. Like, you just, you don't need it. And everybody is in this whole Marie Kondo tidying up. Does it spark joy? Which, let's be honest, purging is my favorite thing in the world. Like, I love going through my house like once or twice a year and being like, what can I throw away? (laughs) What don't I need anymore? But the thing is, is that stuff also takes up so much mental energy. If you have a lot of stuff, like it takes up so much mental energy and I actually have a really small closet because I'm like I don't I would rather spend that energy doing something important than rather opening my closet door every morning and standing there for 10 minutes going, what do I wear? Because there's so much in here. So one of the biggest things, you know, if you really want to start thinking about the impact that you can have as a woman is number one, honestly, is asking, do I really need this right now? Do I need it? And if I do, let me think about where it's coming from, you know, and one of the biggest questions that you can ask is, okay, this is cheap and I know how much it costs me. How much did it cost the person who made it? and the other thing is that it can be super overwhelming like if you're just so used to like you've never really thought about this before and all of us have been there like this was not something that was forefront in my mind up until you know 6 or 7 years ago but just being more conscious and intentional and and not allowing yourself to get overwhelmed so my big thing i always say is like start with one thing does that mean buying fair trade coffee Does that mean buying fair trade chocolate? Does that mean, you know, the next time you need a plain t-shirt instead of going to Target, maybe look up Pact, which is one of my favorite companies, you know, and it's really, it doesn't even have to be that much more expensive, but they're just doing business in a different way. So over on the Root Collective's website, if you scroll all the way down to the, the footer, the very bottom of the page, we've got a link there for our ethical list. So we've, trying to make it easy for people because it can feel so overwhelming, you can go on there and we've got companies that are at least doing better than the average. Like I'm not saying that they're perfect. You know, we're not perfect by any stretch. We got an email this morning from somebody asking about how we process our leather. And it's like, that's a great question. And I wish we had a really good answer for you. But right now we're a small business. So we're getting our leather from the market. Because that's what we can do. Like, we already know the tannery we want to work with. Right. Like, they have eco friendly practices. They've got great ethics in place. Like, we right. want to work with them, but we're not there yet because we can't meet their minimums. So, no company is ever yeah. going to be perfect. But right. if you can figure out ones that are more in line with your ethics, what's important to you? Is that going to be more the eco friendly side? You know, are you a vegan and you don't want yeah. leather? totally get it like but find those companies and start shopping your values and don't let yourself get overwhelmed like don't try to change everything all at once because you can't
1: well and I think it, it goes in line with exactly what you're saying. Of, like, also, uh-huh. don't expect every company to, company to be perfect right now. Like, I think so many of us are like, well, I would buy from them, but they do this one thing over here that's not in line with what mm-hmm. I want. Like, they're working towards it. All of us are trying, and that includes companies who are trying to do better or give back or have some sort of aspect of charity. And so, I think like you have to pick your battles in in that kind of sense. And as long as you're doing a little bit better by, you know, buying from people who are doing a little bit better, then you're doing something good.
2: Yeah. And another thing too, is emailing companies and asking about their manufacturing practices. Like that feels like something that's really intimidating, but it's super easy to sit down and draft an email to Ann Taylor and basically say, hey, I'm really curious about what your, you know, the ethics in your manufacturing. Can you talk to me a little bit about it? And most of the time, they're not going to have a good answer for you. But the thing is, is that the more they understand that consumers are asking these questions, the more they're going to understand they're going to go out of business if something doesn't change. Yeah. Yep. I'm seeing a shift
0: even locally. And I think part of it Mm -hmm. isn't like, I know if you're going to go after this, to do this perfectly in every aspect of your life is like... Almost impossible, in my opinion, but making strides. And I know for me, a lot of it has been around the food I eat and like the chemicals are like, as in like bath and body stuff that I use. And the like, how can I make that more environmentally friendly, but also great for my body? And, you know, some of these systems aren't there yet. But if you keep like at it with like consistently putting, Basically, where your dollars want to be, then I mean, people will change. Like, I know even just a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. I felt like the perception of a grocery store like Aldi was that it was like cheap and for poor people, or at least that's what it was in my town. And over time, it has been like, how can we get? more organic produce in, and, but at a cost that's reasonable to the consumer. And in the summertime, I'd rather go to the farmer's market and buy from the farmer that I actually know lives 20 minutes down the road from me. But during the wintertime, I don't have a lot of choices. I don't know. I, I know I have a desire yeah. to go after these sort of things, but I'm really intimidated when I start like looking at other areas like I haven't crossed into yet. So I appreciate your ethical list. And I know I'm going to definitely dive into that. Now, talk to me about the community aspect of running a company like this and what it's kind of done. Have you found that there's people that just like want to stick around and be a part of your movement with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's been... I think that's been one of the best and most encouraging things. I mean, anytime you start a business, it's one of the most isolating things that you can possibly do. Like it is extremely isolating. And when it's something that at the time was a little bit more radical. So we've been open for over five years now. And, you know, Tom Shoes, in as much as I may not agree with their model, they were really, they were one of the big pushes into getting people to start thinking a little bit more about how they were spending their money. But it's been so interesting just to see how many women are like, yes, I want, I want to do this. Like, it's a cute pair of shoes. And, you know, we hear all the time, like, I cannot step outside my door without somebody commenting on my boots. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's yes, because girl. we want to give you something cute to wear. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, this is the point. But the other thing that I found is that so many women love, like, they love getting those compliments because it opens up an opportunity to start sharing about why, yeah, these are a cute pair of boots, but let me tell you why it's even more than that. And so we have, you know, we've been described as a small cult brand because we've got people who come back every single release and buy. And that has just been, it's been so encouraging and just, you know, such a reminder that there are so many people that want to do good in the world. Because I think especially being involved in the type of communities that we are, that you see the worst of humanity, the worst of humanity, and then coming, you know, coming home and then, you know, just being reminded that there are women literally around the world. Like we have shipped shoes to Japan and New Zealand and Paris and England, and I don't even know where else we've we've shipped them everywhere. And just knowing that there are women who are like, you know what, like I want to change the world and it's like yes. Yeah, and you can. You
1: well, can. And I think like we kind of touched on it before, but I think in this space of tidying up and minimalism and wardrobe, capsule wardrobes, like that's still like really trendy right now. I feel like like pick whatever category you guys want to focus on. Food, beauty, health, clothing, it doesn't really matter, but I think a lot of us are starting to grow up in this space of like being very mindful about our purchases Uh because we're wanting to make fewer purchases overall. And so obviously quality, but having things in our home that like make us really happy. And I think that there's also been like a spike in supporting, you know, local artists or artists in general, instead of buying like that print at Hobby Lobby or whatever. And so I think at least spending some time investing your research time into companies like yours and on that ethical list to at least start to see of the places that I can like start in like to pick a category in my life to start to replace these decisions, these buying decisions with, it's going to also help free up so much mental space that we're so lack, like we have such little of it left that this is... These are those areas where we can like chop trim the fat, right? And if we're deciding to make more quality purchases with less items,
2: then all of a sudden you don't have to think about those things anymore. Absolutely. I think that just it frees you up so much. Like I think it is the most freeing thing to have a small wardrobe and you know, they say the smartest people in the world basically have a uniform. Yep. You know, you look at, what's the guy who started Facebook? His name is totally Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. I'm like, you know, it starts with Z. There's a Z in there. Mm -hmm. He wears the same thing every day. And there are some of the biggest fashion designers where every runway show, they're basically wearing the same thing because they understand how much mental energy it takes to have to pick out a whole new outfit. And for some people, like clothing is their creative outlet. Like that's just what they do. And that's great actually, I love that. I love seeing people who are just like are crazy with how they dress. But for me, it's like simple. I just need to keep it simple. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. One of the tips that I like not to go on this tangent too long, but one of the tips that I saw specifically around like using less mental space, Mm -hmm. space for your clothes, especially when you're out. So like we've brought up target a lot, but I know you guys have done this where you like head to target for tampons and you leave with a cart full of shit. Right. And so like, I cannot tell you the last time when I... I love shopping Target. I love browsing that I like actually looked at their shoes or their Mm -hmm. clothes or whatever because I don't buy from there anymore. I don't buy from those departments anymore. So now all of a sudden, that's like a quarter of the store that I don't have to waste my time going through because I know I'm not going to buy anything anyways. And so if we just start to pick... like. Those tiny areas in the stores that we frequent that we now just don't have to visit anymore. It's time saved. It's energy saved. And I truly, truly think that this this is the, the frontier that a lot of us feel so overwhelmed about exploring, but are truly like bogging down our to-do list of what we need to get and like areas that we're browsing and like window shopping on our iPhone all day long. All of those kind of things that I just wish you could be doing, spending your time doing better things than that. And I know that you can, so.
0: (laughs) Well, I'd love to jump into talk strategy to me. And if you could give people three to five action steps on if they were to speak with their dollars a little more and lean into their, you know, you can
1: speak with your dollars by sending
0: me some booties.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Number one, buy shoes. com. (laughs) But only buy them if you need them. (laughs) Again, I'm going to go back to one of the biggest things to just think like if you're thinking strategically about, okay, I I need a pair of boots. Right. And I've got an option between getting a $30 pair from Target or spending 200 plus dollars asking yourself that question of I know how much this is costing me, but how much did it cost the person who made it? And just remembering that, like, in this age of, you know, we're in the industrial age, and people just think that machines make everything. No, that's actually not true. You've got a woman who's been sewing the same seam on the same t shirts for 30 years, because there's no opportunity for her. There's people making the stuff that we buy. I think the next thing would be asking, you know, do you need it? Like, is this something that I actually really do need? And sometimes want is going to come into play there too. Like, I buy things that I don't need, but I'm like, you know, I just really want it. That's okay too. Yeah. And I think one of the other big things is, you know, just questioning where it came from. You can buy that t-shirt at Target or you can spend, you know, maybe $8 more and get something from Pact. So just being conscious about, where you're spending your money and the companies that you're buying from. Again, the ethical list over on therootcollective.com. Scroll down to the bottom. It's right there. It's a freebie. You know, just looking through things like that and just really just questioning where it comes from and making conscious decisions. And I think, honestly, one of the big things strategically is just finding your favorite brands. Like we've talked a lot about like mental space and how much mental space all this stuff can take up. And so for me, like I've got my favorite brands for my jeans and I've got my favorite brands for my t-shirts and, you know, favorite brands for jewelry and stuff like that. So like when I need a pair of jeans, instead of going out and spending three hours at the mall trying stuff on at Nordstrom, I'm like, no, you know what, I know this brand, I know what size I am and... You know, just becoming brand loyal, I think, has really been really helpful for me. And then another thing, strategically too, that I hadn't brought up until now, but you know, we talked a lot about how it can be so much more expensive to shop ethically. Dude, secondhand, yeah, it's a thing. I would say probably at least half of my closet is secondhand. I am obsessed with ThreadUp, which is a website that is literally like an online thrift store. Yeah. That's the only way I do thrift stores. I can't can't sit there and go through. I will go to thrift stores. Like if I'm on vacation or if I know, like I'm looking for something very specific where like, okay, I I need a pair of jeans. I'm going to pop in at a thrift store because I'm driving past it anyway. But I'm the kind of person who ends up accidentally scrolling through thread up for three hours on a Sunday night. And just adding stuff to my cart that I probably never actually buy.
1: Yeah, well, did you, adding stuff to your cart releases the same like dopamine that actually buying something does. And so I add shit to my cart all the time and then just close <laughs> out the window. Yeah, I feel, great. I feel good things buy. <laughs> and then I sit there waiting for like seven days.
2: Like now where's all my orders in the mail? I, know, uh, I didn't oh, buy wait a, wait a minute, I never actually purchased. Um, <laughs> Oops. <yeah. laughs> so those are some, I probably my biggest tips of... You know, really, especially, you know, if you're just starting this journey to strategically do not try to overwhelm yourself, don't try to change everything at once, you will burn out faster than nobody's business. And that's not going to help anybody. So just pick a few things and focus. there. I love it.
1: Well, I'm super excited to start with booties. I've actually been on the hunt for booties for like eight months, a very specific pair. And so I'm going to go find them and I'm super excited. Yeah. Thank you so much. Remind people again, where to go to check
2: out the shoes and that
1: ethical list you were talking about. Yeah.
2: So you can find everything on therootcollective.com. Got all of our social media links there. We're primarily on Instagram and Facebook, both at Collective. And then that ethical list, just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see it there. And we also have a $20 off your first purchase code on the website. So you can check that out and that will automatically also get you signed up for your emails. And we've got some really fun content in our emails, including an ebook on seven ways to change the world with how you shop. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on today. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, This is a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache?